This Week in Nerd News is proudly sponsored by Carnegie Hall's Afrofuturism Festival 2022 in New York City. The festival is a journey to the world of Afrofuturism, where music, comics, science fiction, and technology intersect to imagine alternate realities and a liberated future viewed through the lens of Black cultures. The festival begins in February, so click the link in our show notes to see the full slate of events and get your tickets now. Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Republic's Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. And I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. Here we are for yet another week, but things have been going pretty solid this summer. We're deep into 2022 at this point. We're recording this in February, which means we've got one month under our belt, and that's pretty much already progress. Now, like, if this is your chance to start over your New Year's resolutions if the last month didn't quite go well for you, you know? Yeah, I love that in the same paragraph you had, we're deep into it and like, hey, it's been one month and that's progress, which does in fact feel like how I'm approaching 2022. Yeah, that's how time's been working right now. Like, I saw this funny meme earlier somehow, like, especially like January, it feels like it's four months long, but like, that's been every month for the past two years. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm kind of adjusted. This is just what I expect at this point. <laughs> but as time tends to move slowly, we need to find many, many ways to fill that up. I'm now at this point officially convinced that there are three kinds of people in this world. First, we have the ones who play Wordle, a daily puzzle that gives players six tries to guess a five-letter word of the day. Second, we have those who wonder what in the world all those green and yellow boxes are they keep seeing on Twitter. And lastly, those who insist on shouting, no one cares about your Wordle score, despite the millions of people who actually do, right? So there's been a running joke now that there are different things to signify different chapters of the pandemic, like sourdough bread was really big at one point, or Tiger King was really big at one point. They tried to bring it back for season two and nobody cared about it, right? The latest one, apparently, is Wordle, which even I find highly addicting. And for some background context, anyone out there who doesn't know what this game is or just has a cursory glance at it, Wordle is a game that was created by a software engineer in Brooklyn named Josh Wardle, so he could have, it was based on a free web browser version of the game, so he could have a game that he could play with his partner who enjoyed playing word games. Well, that was back in October 2021, and that game spread to their immediate circles, so like family and friends, and by the time they got to November 1st, 90 people played, and nearly two months after that, so we're thinking like early January, they had 300,000 people playing the game. And after this recording, that number of people who play this game on a daily basis is in the millions it's very fun very addicting because it's something that can take you like three to four or five minutes depending on how you play and everything or it can be something you just play out throughout the entire day you can compare your scores with friends and how well you did and share your starting words like it's a really cool like one of those cool moments where you realize that oh we can share an experience together right but taking things back a little bit further this game got severely out of hand like how this created as a passing thing for josh wardle for something he just played with his media friends right we were at the point where millions of people playing this game that's free based on a web browser and it was a huge trending topic because people kept trying to say they came with the idea first and all this and that but there was a lot of attention there right well thankfully Josh Wardle recently announced that the New York Times has purchased the rights to the game going forward which has people giving a lot of different mixed feelings about what the future of the game might be if the New York Times is going to do capitalism type things and ruin good things by making putting behind a paywall or subscription based situation or something like that or even the people losing their streaks that they build over the time playing the game and everything but at the same time you kind of can see it from Wardle's perspective of 
this just requires a lot of work and something like this is just such a hard task to take on that you don't necessarily have time for that right and also given the fact that kudos to him for keeping the game free this entire time despite how popular he got he easily could have slapped advertisements or other kind of things on there and take advantage of the moment like other people tried to do actually and got shamed for but instead he kept it free and he actually wrote a statement to the public stating that while he sold the new york times for reasons i just listed like as far as bandwidth and just being a bit overwhelming and how it's been like constant onslaught of attention ever since the game got popular now the new york times basically take this game and use their resources to add it to their suite of like word crossword puzzles and other games people play and go there reliably for all the time and also get like just get it out of his hands and he can sell it and make all his money and live his happy life but she deserves for doing this right without all the headaches that come with trying to maintain something keep it going the whole way through so now given all the background on wordle and how this deal is playing out and everything victoria do you have any thoughts on wordle itself or the future outlook of this game that we all love being ruined by capitalism I mean, I'm always down to talk end stage capitalism, uh, but I sometimes when we record this podcast, I go, I think I'm living in a completely different dimension <laughs> because you just listed like, oh, here are the chapters of the pandemic. And while I can objectively recognize like that those things existed, I participated in none of them. <laughs> and uh but this one this one feels like a thing that i would participate in so i'll check it out after we get done recording and then see see what's up i am always down for word games and trivia and things like that um i'm old so i remember when like sporkle was big and we would do that like in between classes in college it's totally doing homework i mean um, but yeah, I mean, I think the game, I think the premise of the game sounds really fun. I agree about the kind of rocket launching of this, right? We're talking about it getting bought out by the New York freaking times, what, three, four months after it even went public. So that is a meteoric rise and probably way more than this this person was expecting. So I think in that sense, it's really cool. I think if that means that it can get a wider audience and bring more people together, that is cool as well. Um, I am someone who is a sucker for print journalism. So if this also helps the New York Times as a print newspaper kind of stay a little bit more relevant by branching out in different web and digital based ways. I'm down with that as well. Um, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, you know, our, our trademarked cautiously optimistic as far as let's hope it doesn't get destroyed by capitalism. <laughs> nah, I totally get that cautious optimism. Man. I love how we have to like, we should make a drinking game if people drink <laughs> of that every time we use that phrase during an episode. It's only half an hour show. You might still get a couple in there, right? <laughs> but when it comes to the whole world of news, like I am definitely being cautiously optimistic here because I do understand that like, while I definitely love going under Google Chrome on my phone every morning when I wake up at like 6.30 and spending five minutes before I get out of the bed to try and solve the word and stuff, the interface and user experience wasn't the best thing, but that's also because mm -hmm. it wasn't meant to be this big global phenomenon that everyone got interested in and stuff, you know? And let people enjoy things, y'all. 
Like, that goes both for the people I mentioned earlier that were constantly talking about, like, hey, no one cares about your Wordle score. I'm like, actually, I have, like, three different platforms of people, <laughs> like, where I interact with people simply about Wordle, whether it be, like, when I tweet it and I have a thread with three or four people who go back and forth about scores. Our Discord Wordle channel is constantly popping off because people play throughout the day. And I even, like, send it to people in my own life stuff, you know? And secondly, and this is the worst people of all, there were people <laughs> no. that figured out the algorithm that the creators of Wordle were using to pick their words and were able to p- find them out in advance. Mm-hmm. And when they would see the people were tweeting their Wordle scores, they had an automatic bot Twitter account that was responding saying something along the lines of, no one cares about your Wordle score. By the way, here are the words for the next five days. And they were right. So like that just oh. ruined the experience. That is such a, okay, I can't start curse on this podcast. That is such <laughs> a bad thing to do, right? Like those are the worst of the worst people. It's just unnecessary. It is. Like, so yes, the moral of the story here is to let people enjoy things. But as far as the future of the game looks, I, it's like, as of right now, Wardle says in the New York Times, he's going to keep the game free. He's going to make sure that when it switches over to their platform, people get to maintain their streaks and their personal records and their win-loss records and all that good stuff. And that sounds great. But we know that they would not have spent, oh, and for the record, they spent, like, low seven figures on this, which means they spent anywhere between, like, whatever you consider low, it'd be like $1 to $5 million on this. That's a great come up something you just made on a whim four months ago, right? But like, there's no way in the world the New York Times Corporation, because it's no longer just a newspaper, it's not like a whole entity, is going to put forward a few million dollars for something and then not try to make a profit off of it. So we'll see how that goes. Because again, they are on this, with a lot of different publications, their particular goal is to have 10 million subscribers by 2025. So that's why they're trying to add things like this. So we'll see. Um, if, I do feel like we have a while to go, but if you haven't played Wordle yet and you're curious about it, please do join, do so. And like I said, even join our Discord if you want to and like share your scores with us because that is going off every single day. Victoria, I recommend that for you as well. I'll even send you a link if you want. All right. <laughs> I just really appreciate the kind of like roller coaster of your commentary on this, which has <laughs> been like very just hey, this is what's happening, to a rant about how to be a good human, to a also come play with, like, come be on this platform with me. And I just appreciate that very much about you. Well, thank you very much, Victoria. I appreciate that. That kind of is me in a nutshell, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I guess we'll go ahead and take a break before we come back for our second segment and big ticket item for today. All right, and we are back. So for the big ticket today, I wanted to put out a few things that are kind of keeping me in a good mental space because it is Black History Month and black people out there understand that Black History Month, as much as it is supposed to be about like celebrating black excellence, past, present, and future, a lot of times it feels like the news cycle just for for 28 days becomes just nonstop, how can I be racist? And it's it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so I wanted to talk about a couple of things that are happening. Some of them are happening, are ongoing, but happening in February. And some things are coming in the future. 
But I've got one story that's some like black boy joy and one story that's some black girl magic and I'm excited about it. So let's talk about the one that is currently happening and has kind of like a Black History Month little extra zazz. So speaking of, I don't know, we got some New York Times things going on today. So <laughs> New York Times journalist Charles Blow is very prolific as a journalist. He's done a whole bunch of really awesome pieces and done a lot of different things. One of those ones who kind of goes on to CNN, MSNBC, things like that, and is very open about his own personal life. Um, And in 2014, he wrote a book called uh, Fire Shut Up In My Bones. And some of the things that came along with that book is that he came out as bisexual and he talked about um, some of the trauma in his past and how all of those things come together to make him the awesome person that he is. That is all great in and of itself. But then they turned it into an opera, which is like not the thing that I feel like most people expect at the end of that sentence. Right? It's like, oh, they turned it into a TV show or they turned it into a movie. Nah, my man's was like, go big or go home. This is going to be an opera. And not only is it an opera, but it is showing at the Metropolitan Opera. It showed on opening night of the 2021-2022 season. And it is historic for so many reasons. It is This is directly from the Met Opera's website. How they are marketing this is the Met's first performance of an opera by a black composer. Yannick Nezet Segin conducts Grammy Award-winning jazz musician and composer Terrace Blanchard's adaptation of Charles M. Blow's moving memoir, which the New York Times praised because it's great. Uh, Not only is it the first opera by a black composer he is also directing which means that it is the first opera being performed on stage directed by a black director it has an amazing cast the songs are amazing and it is just to me an embodiment of black excellence super exciting but like not everybody can go to the Met right well cool thing The Met has a theater series, and while this will be coming to theaters around the nation, select theaters of course, but it will be coming to theaters around the nation, uh, on October 23rd, they were like, no, 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 it's Black History Month. So there's a one-night special showing on Saturday, February 12th, so if opera is something that you're into, or if you just want to support, check out and see maybe if it's showing at a theater near you. If you're comfortable with that. Otherwise, like, maybe wait until October. But it is a thing that's happening, and I'm excited about it. So that's my black boy joy. Switching gears, let's talk some black girl magic with my girl, Viola Davis. Viola Davis is in an upcoming movie called The Woman King. And when I saw the stills for this, I was like, oh. That looks, that looks amazing. They're just a few first look pictures, just a Viola Davis being an African goddess, right? War, woman, everything. Looks awesome. 
And then I clicked into the article and realized that this is not just this is I guess I thought that it was like a fantasy film. It is not. It is a historical epic and it's based on the kingdom of Dahomey, which might mean nothing to many, many people. I understand. I am a very weird particular type of nerd. But my gamer tag has been some version of Dahomey or Dahomey Gveto for a decade now. Because the kingdom of Dahomey was one of the most powerful African kingdoms in the 18th and 19th century, and the entire military was all female. Just bomb. Just bomb. And when they were fighting the colonizers, there were a lot of really interesting dynamics and a lot of stories that went down that, that kind of have been whitewashed a little bit. Uh, there is also a theory that the legend of the Amazons gains some, not all, but like this is one of the inspirations of that legend that came together with some of the other female military units at this time. And so I am so excited that this film is getting made. I'm so excited that Viola Davis is going to be playing the general. And then we have a ton of other kind of up and coming talent in this film as well. And I am so, so, so excited. I will probably talk about this more before it comes out because it's going to come out in September. But yeah, so that's my black boy joy. That's my black girl magic. What do you think, Keith? Wow. First of all, like I really, this is one of those moments when I really wish that like you, Mikel, and I lived in the same general area and we could record this podcast in person and on video because I can only imagine where your eyes would have just lit up like describing that last segment. I mean, both parts, especially, but especially the last part about the Dahomey people and stuff, or Dahomey, I believe it's pronounced, right? Man, I just say the letters in order. <laughs> Doing our best with this stuff, right? Um, now, moving on to what you actually talked about. When it comes to the whole Met Opera website, like that strikes me as one of those moments where it's a bit bittersweet mm-hmm. as like a person of color, black people specifically, where it's like, yay, we get this. Also, why is it taking this long to be the first time? Like while you were talking, I looked up when the Met Opera House opened, it's like mm-hmm. 1883, and I'm like, wow, we are really behind the ball here, <laughs> right? But like technically, better late than never is a thing, like. There's context around that, but like in the simplest case, like this is a case of better late than never. And before I move on to the Woman King topics that I want to talk about a bit more, for you, I have some questions. Opera is something that's a bit more of a niche that I haven't gotten into. Like, honestly, as much as I've learned that I like them, I've just recently started to appreciate like musicals and like live theater more and all that. So, opera is like a next level thing for me. Many of our listeners out there who are similar to me, what are some things that or that you enjoy about opera and things that they can like look into as an entry or an entry point? Oh, <laughs> that's a big question. That's a Sorry, big question. question. Um, <laughs> I think that as far as entry points, I would say that opera is similar to musicals and that it is a lot about the music, Right. So if it's something that you're interested in, I would I would do on like a Pandora or a maybe not Spotify given what's going on currently. <laughs> but 
on on a music platform just kind of getting a playlist of opera music and seeing what speaks to you and then finding out what the actual opera is that that song comes from and then going in that way because opera is so vast and while there are now more and more and more operas from different types of folks as as this story kind of emphasizes um a lot of the kind of classic operas that people will be like oh you have to start here are not in english right which which is kind of off-putting sometimes if english is your first language because then it can it can just be a little bit intimidating i would also say that most operas have written versions to accompanying them so that can also be kind of a thing of like reading the opera to figure out the story and then going to see it um and also kind of not caring i know there are a lot of people who are going to come for me and be like you have to care about the story for me opera is about the music and about the emotions that that music brings you so it doesn't for me anyway it doesn't really tend to matter if i know if I can follow the story as it's happening, because the music is written and performed in such a way that I can follow the flow of emotions and therefore kind of get the story from that, which is a weird thing, but it makes sense. Um, I'm also a weird theater kid and my mom sang all of the things, so... Yeah, I, I does that even help, or does that make it more confusing? <laughs> I think that helps a lot, actually. Like, hearing someone talk about something they're passionate about is, just brings me joy in general, especially when people I know and care about. Also, I just keep learning more things about you, and I love that. <laughs> right? We've been doing this podcast so long. Like, this the week alone, I've learned a bunch of random things about you that I appreciate. <laughs> but, um, so thank you very much for that. That's, like, I feel like that can help a lot of people that listen to this show go on and, like, Dabble in the opera, figure out something set for them. Like they may be curious about, but didn't really know how to get into because nerdiness is nothing but nerdiness is nothing but very niche interests in a lot of people that's around those. You know. And moving on to the Woman King, this looks absolutely fantastic, and I feel like this is going to be another one of those moments where like the world comes around to realize how amazing something was that history has otherwise done a good job of trying to like whitewash, like you said, or just completely ignore altogether. Like I still think a prime example of that would be when the Watchmen show came on HBO max earlier on, like a couple of years ago and everyone mm-hmm. who didn't know all of a sudden realized that Tulsa race massacre in 1921 happened where those of us who knew about that were like, yeah, I've known that for like so this much amount of time. That's why I've been so angry about everything. And I feel like this is going to be another one of those moments, and I'm excited to see what the reaction of the world is going to be. Given that Viola Davis is wonderful as she is, is going to play the lead, I imagine this will get a lot of attention and promotion and marketing behind it. So, yay, more black stories being told is always a good thing, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing passion and, and just excitement with me. Uh, but that does, in fact, bring us to our lightning round, because while we talked about quite a bit today, it can't even come close to covering the, all of the stuff that was in the news. So here are a few of the things that we wanted to leave you with today. In interesting space news, the ISS, the International Space Station, is going to be retired. I don't know if it will be as dramatic as the rover that was like, 
it's getting dark and cold and then shut off? Probably not. Um, because they're just going to crash it into the ocean. <laughs> so that's the thing that's happening. They're planning on crashing the International Space Station into the ocean in 2031. In other black musical film news, The Color Purple is getting an adaptation as a musical film. Uh, it will be coming in late 2023, and we've gotten a few of the cast announcements so far. So Fantasia Taylor will be playing, playing Celie, Halle Berry as young Nettie, Danielle Brooks as Sophia, and Coleman Domingo as Mr., and Taraji P. Henson as Shook. So that looks awesome. If you haven't read the book or seen the movie, feel free to do so. But also there will be another entry into that that you can enjoy in 2023. And then last but not least, this is kind of just a, a sneak peek because I'm sure that we will talk about all of these things in depth later on in the podcast as they get closer. But we have a bunch of upcoming black fantasy and sci-fi this year. So three of the big names that I wanted to highlight were two adaptations, one of a graphic novel called The Banks and one of a young adult novel called Legendborn, and then a sci-fi called They Cloned Tyrone. And there's a bunch of famous names attached to all three of those projects. Like I said, I'm sure we will talk about them more as we get deeper into the year. So be looking out for that. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture updates. I'm your host, Victoria Vertine. And I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you are listening. Bye, y'all.